Oklahoma Archery. Everything archery based out of Oklahoma for Oklahoma. Let's get it started. Welcome everybody to an Oklahoma Archery podcast. This is going to be a little bit different than normal, but anyway, I'm David Bosca. I'm Neil Cooley. Guys, we got Chisholm Johnson with us today. He's one of our Oklahoma State Blood Tracker uh, Association members, and I woke up this morning and it was pretty crisp and cool out, so I figured a bunch of y'all will be out there thinking about being in the deer woods, might be in a blind, might be in a tree. Um, we talk a lot about how to how to make the shot, and we hope everybody's seeing good stuff on their trail cams and this and that. But after you actually get a shot on one, you got to start blood trailing. So we wanted to have somebody that has some pretty good experience at tracking, um, using dogs, recovering deer. Um, there's a Facebook group out there. Chisholm, you want to tell us a little bit about your, your group you're part of and what kind of networking that is that is available to hunters this year? Yes, sir. So uh, I'm a member of the Oklahoma Blood Trackers Association. Um, and what that is is a group of uh, trackers that have got together um, and decided to have some rules for the trackers in our group. Um, you have to be certified within so much time of getting on the map. Um, doesn't mean a certified dog can track. just means your dog has been proven that it will go and run. Um, we run background checks on all the trackers on our map um, so that you know that you're not getting a violent offender out to your land if you get him off of the Oklahoma Blood Track Association site. Um, as far as networking on there, um, it's it's pretty straightforward. You go on, um, and it's gonna if you send a message to it or you get on there, everybody's gonna tell you to go to the map and find your nearest tracker and start calling around. Um, I advise people to do that before season, before you need them. Um, call your local trackers. Um, get a couple of their numbers so that you know you've got a contact with them, you've got a relationship with them, and that lets you can they can tell you how they like you to do it because um, all the trackers are different. We all want you to do different things, um, and <clears throat> you know there's some that don't want you to go in at all. Just hey, call me and we'll see. There's some that you know, like myself, I'm a deer hunter. Go track your deer, um, but don't bring six people in there to track. Um, is is my one of my biggest words of advice to people if you're going to bring a dog. Um, so tracking's been legal in Oklahoma. I don't remember the exact years, but it, it's pretty fairly recent that it actually got legal to track with a dog. Um, the state law says that we have to be on lead tracking. Um, it also states that the hunter is responsible for calling the game warden. Game warden in their local jurisdiction, calling, texting, or emailing, letting them know that they're going to have a dog in their track in an approximate time and location. Um, a lot of the trackers do that on their own. I know I text the game wardens a lot just so that covers my bases. Um, it's uh, There are some pretty strict do's and don'ts across the board. If you don't have permission to go onto your neighbor's property and you know your deer is over there, don't call a tracker. Don't get them in that bind to get over there on property you don't have permission. Um, but so what you're saying is, as a tracker, isn't mm -hmm. a get out of jail card free on going and getting your deer. You no, the sir. still has to take responsibility and do his own work. You're just there to help facilitate after that point. Yes, 
Yes. I mean, the hunters still got to do their work. They've got to get the permission to go on the land. Um, if it crosses properties, um, and, and that side of things, we're just there to assist. If, you know, if you're, you're blood trailing, you get 300 yards, 200 yards, even 50 yards and lose it for whatever reason, that's when you would call the dog and say, Hey, I lost blood. This is how far we went. And then the dog has a lot better chance of finding the deer than human. They've got a lot better techniques than we do. So as far as your uh, Facebook page, mm -hmm. I initially pictured a page where we could go in and chat and talk, but it's a private page, right? Um, there's a, it is a private page because we like to regulate um, what goes in there, try to keep the scammers out, the, all that stuff. That's the biggest reason it's private. Um, we've got a, there's a pretty big admin staff on it that tries to keep up with it and keep stuff going through the stuff that needs to go through. Um, but it's also that um, we you get a lot of panic posts of people just wanting a tracker. Hey, I, I need a tracker in this location. Well, I don't need John Doe coming in with a dog house dog that's not trained to track um, to track that up for a dog that's actually been trained for it. So we can kind of regulate, kind of stop that, and we'll take a post. Let's say you shot one, you post the other. Hey, I need a tracker here. We'll take that post and and post it in the uh, page that just has the trackers in it. We'll get some information from you and then try to make contact that way. Um, but it's kind of to keep, go so ahead. you using that as your website for when someone is looking, because I picture like the Oklahoma Wildlife Department mm -hmm. has a list of game rangers. Right. Your Facebook page is essence, your website of having a list of trackers. Yes. By posting, the trackers will see what we're right. at. Well, okay. and you, there's a link to a map, and it's the state of Oklahoma, and it's got the location of all the trackers that are on there. So you can go to that link, too. Okay. Um, but sometimes, you know, the, the tracker in that area may not be available. So I'm from central Oklahoma, uh, Cougar area, Minko area, but I may be in southwest Oklahoma, Um and so when you when somebody posts that, hey, I need a tracker down at Altus, I'm down there. I can see that, hey, I'm close. I can go take that one. Um, that's kind of where we get out on that. And not all the trackers are available 24-7, you know. So whenever you get on the map and you call that tracker, um, he may not be available. He or she may not be available. Um, so that's when, the, you know, the post will come in, hey, I need a tracker in India, Homa, or Wellston. Um and you know we'll get the details posted on our trackers um and all the trackers are on the tracker talk page and then we can you know try to get you linked up with somebody that's in that area or willing to drive that far so what's the average i'm gonna say turnaround time um have you noticed and i know there's no exact but mm -hmm. if someone is they out hunting and six o'clock they they get one down they 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 take off and 30 minutes later they're like oh i can't i've, I've lost it they mm -hmm. go on they make a post how long is it would you say is the average before a tracker will get back with them um depending on the days of the week if it's on the weekend a lot of a lot of people are more active um and they'll see it we'll get it posted and that does take a little time to to transfer over from the page and get the information and get it over there. But I mean, it's, it's relatively pretty quick. Yeah. I mean, 
the the best thing for a hunter to do is to make contact with the trackers in his area ahead of time whether that be two three how many ever you got right there and then you've already got that contact base and you never have to go you you're using um facebook like it's pre-planning and scouting okay i'm gonna i know this is where i'm hunting i'm gonna call these trackers get their number let that way i know what they want yeah so then you could just text them yep. and say hey are you available i got one down i can't find it instead yes, of going through the facebook page yes sir yes sir Perfect. yeah i get so, it i mean the facebook page is great and and that's how a lot of people find us. Um, but I like the hunters in my area. Hey, let's, you got my number, text me before you go to make that post. Now, if I can't, but thing is, if, if, uh, and most of the trackers like me, if you text me, Hey, I, I can't make it, man. I've got your information. I'll go straight there and I'll post it straight on the tracker talk. Um, and it never, never has to go through that and try to find you a tracker. Most of us are good about finding, trying to locate another tracker for you. What's an estimated count of trackers in Oklahoma? Oh, I'm not sure on that number. Um, You're talking one per county, two per county, maybe? Um, probably not quite that much. There's an out west is pretty pretty slim. Um, there's several up around. There's several around the Oklahoma City metro area and east, and then there's several up around Tulsa area. Um, but the southwest. In northwest Oklahoma, there's not a ton of trackers that are actively tracking and, and take a lot of tracks. Um, you know, they'll take a few when they can. They're just life's busy or whatever. But as far as active trackers that track, you know, numbers and numbers, um, there's um, not many out to the west. But the guys that are out there cover a lot of ground. They'll, they'll drive. What's a good, uh, if you don't mind me asking, what's a good success rate? Just so you know, people have a, you know, have an estimation. Is that is, are you batting, you know, four out of every five, or is it one out of every uh, ten? Or, um, there's so many factors that go into that. Um, if you're batting four out of five, you're running a lot of um, people calling you say, "Hey, come run this deer." They haven't looked for it. Uh, the majority, of the, most hunters are going to find that deer that's double lunged and heart shot they're not going to need us they're needing us for the gut shot ones the ones they jumped up they tracked too early they pushed the coyotes pushed um things that got gets into some tall jonathan grass or some thick stuff that's the ones they're going to need us they're they're going to need us on the low percentage of their recoveries naturally um the i would say the majority of deer that are tracked and not found go on to live you know two three weeks to end of the next year um but as far as a good percentage i mean it, it's just tough to say um and, and be honest with you because it depends on what tracks i'm running um or, or any tracker for that matter is you know your percentages are probably going to be low because you're not i mean you're not calling us for that perfect shot if you're calling us you didn't something went wrong more well, than and, and the environment will have a play in that percentage too 100 percent yeah if it's pouring down rain that, that that'll that'll hurt but if it's a, a a nice crisp 35 degree temperature at night and no wind no nothing um that, that'll help so, all with rain. i can see there yeah there's a lot of scenarios in that isn't right there? so the rain actually doesn't affect a dog um so the a deer the dog's not actually tracking the blood the deer gives off the scent glands in his foot 
that which is an oil that comes out and that water doesn't wash it away um, it just makes it where we can't physically see hey this is blood but the dog is actually following that scent of that deer not necessarily the blood we use the blood to get them on and be sure that we're still on but they're tracking the actual scent of that deer um, going down the road but just like you know you take a october 1st 2nd it's 90 degrees out relative humidity is around 10 15 20 percent it's tough on a dog um, versus this weekend humidity's high cooler temperatures a lot easier on a dog um you know make, makes a dog work a dog uh the way their the humidity is a lot of guys will wait in october they won't track till nighttime because the humidity comes up and if you're tracking in grass, grass is horrible when it's dry because it's full of particles and it gets in the dog's nose. Um, I think most every tracker tell you they'd love to track in a in a creek bed full of tree leaves. Um, dogs work better. You can see better. It's just it's a lot easier than grass. And then, you know, you take somebody that doesn't know about dogs or, or for whatever reason, they get five, six people out there grid searching it. That the dog has to work out every time they cross that scent, the dog's got to work that out. Um, so I always tell them, you know, look, let me come in and run it. We don't find anything, then go grid search it. You know, you can grid search it after um, we get done in there um, with the dogs. Um, but yeah, there's so many factors that go in, you know, and, and a lot of people, you know, they can shoot that tendering all day long. But that tendering is not moving. That deer is going to drop. He's going to roll. He's going to, you know, they could do a number of things. And depending on their area, they're uh, they're more likely to drop, more less likely to drop. And you, the thing is, you can't shoot. You have to shoot where if they don't move, you still kill them. But I've seen them drop completely out of an arrow that was a money shot. happened on my on my last one he ducked and rolled at 38 yards out of a hunting bow that's moving 247 foot per second spine 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 went went and he went down right after that so right. uh so not, no didn't didn't need to call you on that one right. <laughs> but right. uh, honestly as much fun as it is shooting these things tracking them has always been the the dessert after the after the dinner it's just the it's the most fun and i i, I think i i panicked pretty good last year i had my buddy from kansas come down and, and bow hunt with me a little bit mm -hmm. and it's been pitter patter raining all day third day out of the weekend hadn't had any luck and she comes in a uh, little slick head right at dark and he puts he's puts a 760 grain arrow straight through him quarter and two i was like wait till he turned broadside he goes there's no such thing as broadside with this setup <laughs> slices yeah. through it like butter and rain starts coming down so you know you sit there for 10 15 minutes felt like it was an 18 yard shot felt like he smoked it heard yeah. it heard it contact it starts raining a little bit more and i said all right get out behind me let's find some find some blood because you know be looking around he goes i'm colorblind it starts raining a little bit harder right as soon as he says that. And I'm like, okay, we got to make, I, we were pretty sure it was a good shot, but you, you don't want to just immediately go up. Some people right. say give it 30, 45 minutes, you know, yeah. it's right at, right at dark. But we heard that, that dull thud, that, that mm -hmm. squishy thud that is you know, best sound in the world. He's like, right. I know you connected. Um, 
and it didn't go 35 yards. It was piled up. But just those moments where you go from, all right, stand on the last blood, find the next blood, Mm -hmm. stay on, you just stay, stay right behind me kind of thing to, we might not have visual on this in 10 minutes and he's no help anyways, because he's red, green, colorblind in the dark. Right. Uh, I mean, red, he's red, green, colorblind all the time, but in the dark, right. it, it, it doesn't matter. So right. all of a sudden you're, you went from a, a, a easy job. That's a 10 of 10 recovery to a, a big old question mark. Right. Right. For sure. For is sure, two though. people, is two people searching together too many that's going to throw that dog off? Cause even when I like, that's, that's my, when my buddy was down in town, usually when I shoot one, behind the hunt on 40 acres up in sky Tuke, mm-hmm. I, I call my I call my dad. He drives a tractor yeah. down and we'll go trail him together. Is two yeah. people sit too much for that dog to work out. Now I'm speaking for me and my, my, my guys that I track for two people's not too many, depending on how you're doing it. If you're doing it, like you're talking about, okay, this is blood. I'm going to go down this trail, you know, 20, 50 yards. If I don't see nothing, mm-hmm. I'm going to come straight back down that trail. You know, and even taking the trails that branch off, hey, let's check this trail. But it's it's the when you get to doing the half moons out there with four or five people. That's what really okay. throws the dog off. I mean, if you're going straight down the and I feel like the majority of trackers would agree, you know, it's not the it's not necessarily the number of people, it's how you're walking. It's, mm-hmm. if you're going, you know, down okay, I'm gonna go down this deer trail. Okay, there's some blood. All right, bump up, you know. Yeah, but that half moon stuff, which that's that's history. That's what people do. That's what I used to do for for years. We would get out there. We'd have two guys working the blood trail on the trail, and then we'd have two guys out there half mooning and trying to speed it up. Um, before I got yep. into you know tracking with a dog and understanding how how diff, much more difficult that made it for a dog, um, which you can't control everything. Coyotes come in there and run deer. I think more times than we know. Um, you know. On a lever shot, you're looking at a 10 hour wait, 10 to 12 hour wait time. Well, yeah, that deer went and bedded down 300 yards away, but 30 minutes after he bedded down, coyotes got him up. Well, we can't do nothing about that except for go run him. Well, when the deer's running from a coyote, he's not running straight down trails. He's trying to get away from that coyote, which then is pushing that scent everywhere. The coyotes are pushing it, makes it a little tougher for a dog. That's natural stuff that we can't control. But I think it happens more than what people realize. Not meaning to not meaning to contaminate the area, but having having certain things outside your control. Yeah, you can't control. I'm real. I'm real particular about it. When I got when I got somebody with me, I'll find the next one and we'll step up together. Mm-hmm. And I like to keep I like to keep them behind me, looking mm-hmm. usually over my shoulder or left or right to that next one, and they'll point yeah. left or right. And we're walking we're walking single file. Yeah. I, I've I've blood trailed them. I love it so much. I'll I'll trip over it. It's like you see yeah. that white belly sticking out four yards in front of you, and you're like, oh, and it makes you jump every time, even though you know you just killed that animal. It, right. it, right. It's right. like I would I would track every every drop on every leaf all the way to it. But I've always tried to have them directly behind me and then they can fan out they can lean to the left lean to the right and try to keep that line because you know they run straight they find a trail and stuff like that but as far as the contamination i've always worried about stepping on the next drop and it's like okay well he he jogged off left or he jogged off right Mm -hmm. and you put your boot on top of it it well that that one's gone you're gonna be looking straight and you might never pick that trail up so as far as bringing in a dog's concerned 
the the half moons are okay when you get out and fan to just try to make it a little quicker, but it's it's not gonna. It's, as it's long as you don't have the whole neighborhood. It's not. I wouldn't do that. If you're planning on bringing a dog in, like how you're talking about tracking is, hey, let's move up, stay easy, stay easy. You can go half moon it when after the dog comes in and, and grid search and look for it that way. But as far as like you're talking, you know, and I, and I do it the same way. I'll tell the hunter, I'll say, hey, you stay at last blood and you can look around that area. I'm going with this dog. If I see find more blood, I'll call you and you can move up. So yes. since I do it the same way. Um, but I don't want that person behind me moving, moving up. Now, if he's moving up on blood, obviously keep going, you know, because a lot of times we're tracking so fast, we miss blood. We don't see the blood on the ground because we're going so fast. Um, whereas the guy behind us is usually a little slower. So you, no, the, go ahead. No, sir. No, sir. I'm sorry. You go ahead. No, you're, you're fine. I was saying, so do you take one dog at a time? Um. Yes. Yes, that's what, as far as I'm aware, that's what most people do. Um, you know, if you're running in the state of Oklahoma, that's, you got to run on lead. So that's how you do it. It's not, I mean, I've, I've ran two dogs before, but it was one in training and it was on a, you know, okay, we know this deer's down. We're going to bring this other dog so it can learn. But as far as most of them, it, it's, it's one dog running them because it's too much to handle two dogs on a leash. Now, if we, if we were allowed to run off lead in the state, uh, there would be people that were running two dogs more often. But, like, my dad, I, I grew up in Hollis, Oklahoma, which is right next to Texas. My dad's still down there. So when we go down there, if he catches a track in Texas, we'll go dump my dog and his dog both out on it because um, you can run off lead in Texas. So you do it, your dad does it. Um, yes, How'd you get into doing this? This is really interesting. So um, back years ago when I was in high school, I had a Jack Russell Terrier and we'd go shoot deer when we were tracking it like you were talking about um, and even doing the grid searching because we didn't know any better. That dog was just with me all the time. He went everywhere with me. Well, he started tracking our deer for us. He'd get on it and go to it. And this was before it was technically legal in the state of Oklahoma. But I mean, he was just he was with me all the time and he went and found the deer. I didn't, you know, I never, I tracked for us whenever, but which we'd have been there anyway. And then when it become legal, I started, I got a Texas blue lacy and trained him to track on lead and do it, you know, the, the legal way to go going forward. Um, and, you know, I've always been around dogs, bird dogs, coon dogs, uh, pig hunting dogs. I like watching dogs work. I also like deer hunting and like tracking and, and recovering deer. Um, and that's how I got into it. And, I've been doing it for with the, my current dog for f- six years now. Um, my dad retired. He's a retired sheriff. Um, sheriff, And he was retired. I said, hey, let me get you a dog. You give you something to do, you know, even if it's just for your friends and family uh, down there around Hollis. Um, I got it. He got a dog, starts running her, and he's eat up with it. He don't even hardly hunt now. I mean, he's dro- he'll drive down down into Texas, two to three hours down in Texas. He'll drive, he's drove up to Kansas and tracked. He tracks all over Oklahoma. He just ate up with it, loves watching that dog work. Um, but that's how I got into it. And then I got involved with uh, Katie and Jerry. They were kind of the kind of the ramrods that ramrodded it in the state and got it going. Uh, they're two UBT judges in the state of Oklahoma, um, which is a national recognized uh, blood trailing 
um, tests that, that you that you get. Um, UBT one, two, and three. Um, they kind of ramrodded it, headed it up, started the the OBTA, uh, Oklahoma Blood Trackers Association, and and kind of did that. So I got in contact with them, you know, wanting to learn, wanting to test my get my dog tested, and and wanting to expand uh, my knowledge of tracking with dogs. And so I got hooked up with them. They're a great wealth of knowledge on it. Um, and then just kind of went on from there and been doing it. Um, since I've had kids, I've had, uh, got two kids. I've had to slow down tracking. Um, I still track as much as I can. I just can't do it. And then when I'm, I'm off on injury right now, I tore my Achilles. So I haven't tracked very much at all this year. Um, I'm close to being back healthy. So I'm taking tracks, but I'm real, I have to be picky about the terrain that I'm in right now. Um, but I'm getting close to being back. But um, when I get back, I'm a firefighter full time. So if I'm at the station. I can't come that day. Maybe I'll come the next day, depending on kids and stuff. And that's how all the track, most of the trackers are. Um, but that's how I got into it. And, and, you know, just a love for dogs and hunting and watching them work. How do you guys cover your, your, it sounds like you got multiple dogs. You guys are driving hours and hours. How are you, how do you, sounds like you got some dogs. Um, how, how do you guys cover your expenses? Is there, is there a fee that you guys charge to come out or do you guys, are you, are you allowed to take tips? Uh, how are you being, how are you compensated for your time? All the trackers across the state are different. Um, there, there's some that are, uh, $200 drop fee. I'm on, when I drop my dog out $200, if he recovers, it's a hundred extra. Um, some of them are, I'm not charging anything. I'm doing it for free. I've got they, whether they have money and they don't have to worry about it or whatever. Um, and then me, I personally charge a dollar a mile one way from my dog. Um, so if you're 20 miles from where my dog's at, it'd be $20 plus a tip and a tip can range anywhere from $20 to seven, $800,000. Um, I kind of look at it, it, you know, if I, if I pull up tracking and, and you're driving a, a GMC to Nolly decked out in Sitka gear, I know you've got some money. You could cover my gas and a little food. If I pull up there and you're in an old beat up Ford Ranger and I could tell, hey, he's this man's hunting for food to feed his family. I won't charge him a lot of time. But I think out of respect for the trackers taking their time from their families, you know, it's worth even if they say, hey, man, I'm not charging them. Hey, give them some money to pay for their gas. Gas isn't cheap. Um, dog food's not cheap. Um, we all take very good, good care of our dogs and uh, feed them, you know, high quality food and and take real good care of them and it's not cheap um and i feel like a dollar a mile one way is, is a fair price you know to to get there and then and then plus a tip whatever you feel i'm worth you know I, if i get there and and my dog runs and we find it in 10 minutes hey we didn't have to do a lot of work now if we get there and it's one of them four or five hour tracks and we're really working this deer and and in some thick stuff, then, you know, I kind of like, I expect a little more, but at the same time, if you don't pay me anything, I'm still going to come back for you if you need it. And I'm available. Um, as long as you're not, you know, rude and, and a prick to me, I'll come back and track for you. Um, I mean, I understand people have money issues, but, um, I, I've got to try to cover my costs too, so I can justify doing it. Um, Absolutely. You've got like, you stated there you got someone trying to feed the family mm -hmm. that's one thing but the cost of that meat he's still in his mind he's got to factor in the the tag his time sure. if he has to pay for a lease uh, mm -hmm. 
this is a factor into that total right. cost. Right. You know, and yeah. and it makes a difference too if we're tracking for an outfitter. I mean, if I'm tracking for somebody that's paying three thousand dollars to come hunt. You're gonna pay me a little more than you know yeah. than that guy that's feeding his family because you got you got the money. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, but there's some people that won't charge, you know, and and you know I don't charge for uh, usually I don't charge mileage for youth hunters. If it's youth hunting, it's their first deer, second deer, whatever. I'm not gonna charge for a youth. Oh, cool. I mean that's that's how we keep this sport going is to keep the youth involved um, and go from there. And I don't I don't charge mileage for first responders. Um, you know. Most of the time, people are going to cover you with the tip anyway and give you enough. Um, so, you know, it's a little different. Now, when we go down into Texas and track, we charge different. Um, they Everybody charges different in Texas. Well, I don't want to go over there and undercut somebody. You know, in Texas, it's pretty standard. You're, you're going to pay $300 for that dog's feet to hit the ground, and then you're going to pay 100 extra if they recover. That's a pretty standard fee in Texas. Um so you don't want to undercut those guys because there's guys in Texas that do it for a living. Um, you know, there's enough ranches and stuff down there to keep them busy all year hunting exotics and stuff. And, you know, that so their prices are different than Oklahoma's. Um, but, I, you know, like I said, I understand there's people out there that can't afford that $300 to go find that deer. I still need to help them out. You know, if, if I had if I hit the daggone lottery, I wouldn't charge nobody nothing to go track their deer. You know, I got the money. I wouldn't charge them, but I've got it. You know, and majority of the trackers are like that. We're, we're this isn't our main job. We do this more for a hobby, um, and are just looking to get, you know, a little bit of coverage for for gas and and food and stuff. So it's not really um, our our main, which is why we can't come all the time. I mean, and and I've had hunters get mad at you know, hey, you're on this track site, you need to go track, buddy. I got a I got a life. I've got a family. Uh, my family comes first um in, in this side of things you know it's god family um and then on down the list we start with god and go down but that that's my priority is my family and then my job i can't lose my job or i'm gonna be you know i'll be out of luck so i've got to go to work can't help it if i'm at work and if we've got family stuff i'm gonna go to my family stuff um I, i'm blessed with a good family that allows me to go do it you know for the most part i can get off and, and go track pretty pretty much when i want um, but not all trackers are like that. Some some guys can only track on the weekend. Some guys can only track at night. Um, that's just you know how how the cookie crumbles in the world. What's a good if you had if you had the opportunity to give advice to a a, a new hunter or, or, or an intermediate hunter? They're out there blood trailing. They're shooting it. It, it it's good blood, but it ain't great blood. How long? do they need to keep looking past last blood before they're one going to booger the area or mm -hmm. two, when's it, when's it time to, you know, do you want to try hard before you call for help? And I understand it's hard for people to put their pride aside and say, Hey, I'm, I'm, I've gotten personally, right. I've gotten lost on my own 40 acres. Right. And right. <laughs> I was down there that pulled out my cell phone. I was like, home is yonder way. And so, yeah. you know, that when that Creek splits off and branches, mm -hmm. you get turned around. How long is too long and how, how, how quick is too quick? And wh when does it come into your, you're down there by yourself. You don't want to booger up the, the scent. What's your, what's your advice to somebody that's just getting I into mean, the sport? I mean, man, that that's tough. That that's real tough. Cause it is, there's a lot of things that go into that. Um, you know, I'm going to tell you if you, 
if if you've got one and you're looking for, you know, if it's if it's that old that old sure enough good deer you've been hunting for three years and you finally got him, I'm gonna back out sooner and call a dog. Um, so I lessen that. If I'm tracking a doe, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna you know I'm gonna push that hundred yard marker. I ain't got no blood for a hundred yards, but I'm on this trail, you know. Um, but I don't know when, you know, with the different type broadheads that really throws a loop into things because if you're shooting an expandable, they're going to bleed a lot early. Shooting a fixed blade, they're not going to start bleeding for 50 to 60 yards sometimes. Um, so there's a lot of factors in that which make it tough. But, I mean, you kind of got to go with your gut. Um, you know, if, you, if you're kind of read the blood and just – and. And I know that's tough for a new person that's never tracked. They don't know. But, you know, I've had them call me. I've had guys that I've tracked for before call me and say, hey, this is what I'm seeing. This is my blood. This is how, where I think I hit. This is how long I waited. And I'm like, all right, you need to push it. You know, go go look 75 more yards. If you can't find nothing, call me back and I'll head that way. Um, or I'll tell them, hey, man, you just need to back out. You're in there too soon. That's a liver shot deer. You're in there too soon. You're, you're bumping him back out. We'll come in tomorrow. Um, and that's where we get in a relationship with your tracker. Most of us, you can call me and I'll tell you what my opinions on it. I may be right. I may be wrong. I don't know. I can't, I, you know, I'm just going off of what the hunter's telling me, but really getting that relationship with your tracker is probably the biggest thing um, that I can say, because we're going to be there. You know, like I say, we're going to try to help you out in that, making that decision of, Hey, I need to back out or, you know, Hey, I hit this deer and I know I double lunged him. I just lost it. All right, we'll back out. I'll, I'll come run it. Um, we'll see. But like I said, it depends on the size of the deer too, you know. If it's a doe, I'm going to tell you, hey, you know, go go do your thing and and, and look for him. Look for it. If you can't find me, I'll come run it. Now, if, it, if it's so big, I'm going to say, hey, back out. We need to give every chance, which not to brag on my dog, but my dog's got six years' experiences. He knows how to work through that stuff. It takes us longer, but he's got six years' experience and knows how to work through all that stuff. We've done that. Um, I don't enjoy it. He doesn't enjoy it, but we can do it, uh, which is, you know, another thing. I'm, I've got another pup that I'm fixing to start training. Well, I was planning on until I tore my Achilles, so she's going to have to wait a little longer. But, um, you know, it's you just got to read. They've, the dog has to learn how to work through that stuff and, and go through it. Have you ever beat the dog to a deer? Um, as far What do you mean by that? Like if you got it on a lead and you got, I don't know, 50 foot of lead and that dog's yeah. out there running scent and he, he goes up one way and you go up another thinking you're following him and come back to the deer or is the dog usually sitting on top of it by the time you get to the end so, of that, that leash he's on. Right. I run a shorter lead than most people do. I don't, I don't even know how long it is, but it's pretty short, but there are people that run those. I have had, um, it was a couple of years ago we had one and it was, shot like the last day of season they called me two days later to come try to find this deer luckily the humidity was right everything was good since stayed down and we actually i stopped on last blood and the, the hunter was colorblind i said hey man stand right here um the dog he's acting deery right now and i look over and that deer's hide and where he did the coyotes had done absolutely destroyed it but where tide was probably 10 or 15 yards over, well, my dog kept working. The wind was coming, you know, from where we were at to where my dog was working. I said, just stay there. Your deer's there, but I'm going to let this dog work. And he got down, and then he he sent coned it back once he, you know, got downwind of it. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, it, technically now we were at the deer first. Um, but as far as that, my my lead's so short, it's hard now. Um, you know, when we go run in Texas, it could happen, but usually, I mean, I'm going where that dog goes, and that you know, and it's usually, I mean, most times when that dog finds them, it's less than than four to five minutes, and we're on the deer. Um, if he's going to find it, the longer you're there, the percentages go down, you know, that that deer's still alive and, and still going to be healthy. Now, will I work? I mean, I've worked a track for eight hours for a guy, um, ended up finding the deer. He was still, he was uh, shot back. Um, he was liver shot. Um, and when we caught up with him, he, he jumped, we jumped him. Um, he went over a hill. Um, the guys had gave us permission to be in there that day. I said, call them, tell them we need to come back because that deer was pushing him. They said, no, nope, if you don't get him today, don't go in there. Don't go back in there. So it's just one of them deals that happened. Um, but, I mean, with that being said, I mean, it's one thing you never really know for sure. Do you have people, like if you're tracking during the daylight, obviously, rather than mm-hmm. nighttime, do you have people that are there for a, a – taking a secondary like you get within 40 yards and you see he's you know he's bedded down on his on his last leg right so in the state of oklahoma um when we're tracking with our dogs you're not allowed to have a means of take with you um okay they allow us to carry our self-defense pistols um depending on how the area i will or i won't if there's a lot of hogs i'm going to carry it um if it's if i know the area i'm not going to carry it just because i don't like carrying it through you know through the trees and stuff um what we have to do is if we come up on one that's bedded down um and this is the way i interpret the state law uh people need to read it for themselves they can interpret how they want call their game one whatever but the way i understand it is if we go in and we find your deer he's bedded down hard whatever we can then back out with the dog you can come in with your archery if it's archery season or black powder if it's black powder season or you know whatever you can go in and then make your 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 kill shot um that's a a tough situation to be in i've been in it uh several times um and and it's hard to you know hard to whenever we're there and i'm like we could this deer suffering do we want to be ethical or do we want to be legal i don't know um that's a fine line we run um there's people in the state working on you know talking about getting laws changed where we can dispatch um whether that be the tracker dispatch your deer if, if it's loosely wounded or the hunter coming in and doing it. Um, but I feel like that's something that needs to be done in the state of Oklahoma off of a ethical thing. I mean, that's the ethical thing. If I come up on your deer and his toes broke, you hit him down in the lower leg, then I'm not going to shoot that deer. He's, you know, he's not lethally wounded, but you can tell if a deer is lethally wounded. If I can get a dog within, you know, 10, 15 yards of you, he's, he's probably lethally wounded. Um, but as is the state statute says right now, we have to back out and then you can come in. Um, which is why me and my dad like running in Texas because we can run off lead and we can dispatch. Um, um, so it's a lot funner. Sounds like, sounds like something we need to write our state representatives about to get some some amendments and clarification to that because right. I, I agree with you as as far as the ethical duty to the animal like you you started a chain of events that are gonna that you you got to go all the way to the end so mm-hmm. I, yeah. I i've been in that 
even all the way back to being young and seeing coyotes, you know, carrying a 22 bag with you. It's like, yeah, it's bow season, but like we killed 16, 17 coyotes one year because they were shoot on site and 60 right. yards with a bow, 60, 70 yards with a bow is just a little bit, a little bit out of range for some, right. some people. Right. And you know, you're, you know, you're hundred percent getting a ticket if, if a green jacket walks up on you. Mm-hmm. But when you're, when you're killing 16 coyotes in October, November, it's good. Yeah. It's good for the deer, you know. Right. There's, the there's, deer and and there's a lot of farmers that if you don't kill the coyotes when you see them, they they won't let you hunt it no more. Yeah, um, that's that's you know that's the thing. So, have you ever or your group is it talked about? Have you ever stepped um, into looking at the aerial remote control vehicles to help with your tracking? Um, that's a, a touchy subject in the tracking world. Um, okay. some trackers are 100% against it. Don't think drones are there. Some, some trackers are like, Hey, you know, they they can, they can come in and be an asset to hunters. Um, and some trackers just don't know, um, the, uh, you know, I don't want to get on either side of it. I don't, I don't have a dog in the fight. I can't take every track. If somebody wants a drone to come in and do it, if I have a drone come in. Um, I can see an advantage. The, the one advantage I can see, let's say that you are you, Chisholm, and mm-hmm. you're just, um, I, I'm old school. I want my dog to do the work. Mm-hmm. I like following him. But mm-hmm. if you could use a drone to go up and say, look, uh-huh. there's brush here or there's corn stalks here, uh, get an idea of the lay of the land, mm-hmm. land it. Now let's get started. One hundred percent. If I had the money and the means and the and the will to buy a drone to run with my dog, one hundred percent, I'd drive by a drone and run it with my dog um, while we're tracking. Um, that the the drone deal, I I read the law different than a lot of people do on the drone. Um, in the state regs, it says uh, thermal tracking devices are illegal. Well, you send that drone up at night, and turn that thermal on, that and you're tracking a deer. I read that as being illegal, but they've had game wardens say that it's okay. I don't know what's, what is and what isn't. I, I don't know, you know. Um, that That's my issue with it is that if the state's allowing them to openly do it, the, even though the statute says that thermal tracking is illegal, I don't agree with that. Um, do I agree there's tracking laws that need to be changed? Yes, there, there's hunting laws that need to be changed in, in the whole deal. Um, and we all know that if it's, you know, it's a process to get them changed. They know the laws aren't, aren't right. And, or, you know, they're, that are outdated and need to be changed. Um, it's a process. Um, there's people in the OBTA that are working on, um, on regulations and getting stats and, and so that we can take, not just say, Hey man, we need to be able to run these dogs off lead. Cause that's the best way to, to recover a wounded game. No, we want to take stats. This is, this is how many, um, you know, we recovered that we're still alive. We need to be able to dispatch because we, we, you know, you got to take them stats. They're the, they're the government. They're not just going to change because, you know, 10, 15, 20 guys go up there. If you got stats, then that'll get their eyes open on it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was just curious. I was sitting here listening, yep. and, and that's something that definitely crossed my mind. I'm like, wait a minute. Why can't you? How come? But I can see there being an advantage, but there needs to be the regulations where – they're not using that to locate a live deer and start tracking into a live field. 
right, right. And, and I mean that the the regulations are there, and just like my personal opinion, the reason we can't run off lead is because in certain areas of the state they like to run deer with dogs to kill them. Um, they're going to do that no matter what the law says. It's been illegal forever. They're going to do that. Um, to me, the uh, if a game warden can't come up and tell, hey, this, they're tracking a deer. There's blood, obvious blood here. They are tracking a wounded deer that was shot. Then he probably doesn't need to be a game warden. If you can't tell the difference in somebody running a deer and running a, a, a wounded deer, I, you, I got I got questions for you. Yeah, um, yeah, that's my personal opinion on it. Um, not not OBTA stance on any of that. That's that's my personal opinion. That's another podcast for another story, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> that's right, for sure. Can you come up with any other great questions for him, Neil? Well, I just I I, I really don't have anything specifically because. Most of the deer I shoot die of shame. They're like, "Oh, not that guy! No, you got shot by Neil. Just, just roll on." That's the uh, most of most of mine do that, and the occasional spine shot. But I just wanted to wanted to hear some of your thoughts on, you know, getting these guys out here. That, and I, I would say you're probably a pretty high percentage bow hunters versus versus your gun hunters. If, in your opinion, do you see just as many gunshot deer? Um, I think we see more gunshot deer because more people are hunting with guns. The volume um, of people out The volume there. of people are hunting. Okay. Fair, I, fair enough. I personally hate tracking a rifle shot deer. I'd rather track a bow shot deer any day of the week. Uh, rifle shot deer don't bleed. Um, bows do. Um, so it, you get a, actually during rifle season and black powder, we'll get a lot of times what we'll get is what they call a spinal shock. Um, they'll hit up high, the deer will drop. Um, they gather their stuff up, go to get the deer, and he's gone. You're never finding that deer. He's he's not going to die. Um, he got spinal shock. It, it um, paralyzed him. Once he got up and gone, he's not going to die unless he gets infection or something. Um, I've actually had a guy that had got to the deer, took a picture with the deer, and then the deer got up and ran. Um and it's you're not gonna you can track them and you can track them a long ways, but you're not gonna find them. Um, it, at least with my experiences, I've actually had it happen with a uh, with a bow shot deer, a guy shooting a crossbow. You know, the crossbows are shooting crazy fast. Um, and they actually spinal shocked one. Said they shot him. He fell down. They were like, you know, who who put on the run? He got up, and ran off. And we had good blood for a long ways on that deer, and and never did recover him and he ended up coming being back on camera alive later um but i think the biggest thing with your rifle shot deer and your bow shot deer that, that a lot of people want is you're going to reach out to your tracker your tracker is gonna because i don't want to tell you hey man this is what i want you to do well you're in sky took you're gonna have a i'm probably there's too many there's a lot of trackers up there i'm not coming up there to track your deer you know unless I personally know you or, or you've, I tracked for you down here and you're like, no, a lot of guys are like, I want that dog. That's the dog I want. He tracked for me this year when I was on this hunt. I want that dog. And that's how dad got to Kansas on a track. He tracked for a guy down here, down in Southwest Oklahoma. And that guy's like, nope, there's tracking dogs in Kansas. I don't want them. I'm paying you to come up here. Um, and that happens, but you need to like, um, there's several up there in your area. You call them, say, Hey, this is, 
this is what I got this for. I'm hunting that and get a relationship with them because, you know, and wait times. People don't understand wait times a lot of times that, you know, they hit a little back and, well, did you get liver? Did you get lung? Well, if you got a liver and a lung, we can we can push that that 12-hour wait time. If you hit a straight liver, it's 12 hours minimum before before I'm going in in the state of Oklahoma. Um, same thing with a gut. You hit gut, it's it's probably going to be close to 24 hours before we're going to take it. Um, that deer's got to have time to die, or we're not doing any good in in the state of Oklahoma. Now you go to Texas, that liver shot deer turns into about a two-hour wait time. Um, gut shots a little, you know, shortens everything because they're running them off lead and they can run them up and bay them. Um, but in the state of Oklahoma. And it's been true, you know, from the trackers that I've talked to, the wait times that are nationally talked about are that that 12-hour mark on liver shots and 24 on guts it's, it have been pretty true for the most part. Um, so, I mean, if you're out there hunting and you, and you think you might have hit a little back, um, give it time. I mean, you have to give those your time. But the weighing out of that is you – if you didn't make an, a great ethical shot and you know you're going to wait, mm-hmm. allow Mother Nature to step in and the guy step up. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, it, and it's tough. You know, I, I've been hunting since I was, I don't know, probably 12 or 13 with a bow. Um, your bad shots are going to be made. Um, and it's not always on the hunter. I mean, the, if you get on YouTube and watch it, watch the deer's reaction, you're going to see. People hit them in the horn, and the but the arrow was projected to go right. I mean, it just happened. But I mean, if something happens and you do hit that bad shot, and you know you know you're back, or you're, you have to wait. I mean, you've got to wait it out and, and just let it run, or you're gonna you're gonna jump that deer up. And I don't know if y'all have ever jumped deer, but most times when you jump them, they're it's you're not gonna find them because they're gonna run for a long ways when they get jumped up. Um, yeah. Not yeah. all the time, but but the majority of the time you jump a deer and they're tough. They're tough to find. I've got a closing question for you here that, that is, man, I mean, it's, it's very important. Um, Mm -hmm. You get called out and it's an hour, hour and a half away from wherever you're at. Mm -hmm. Um, It's um, say 10 o'clock at night. Mm -hmm. Uh, You recover a deer, but it was work. I mean, your dog had to work. You had to work. Um, Now, all that being said, you get back to your vehicle. You got your dog loaded. What is your drink of choice headed back for that hour and a half? Are you a, um, sipping on a cold sud one? Are you a coffee drinker? Or um, If it's that, that late night, early morning drive, I'm probably going to pull over and I'm going to get a coffee and probably a cherry Pepsi. Um, <laughs> I can stay away from the sodas um, most times. I've, I've kind of kind of quit. Um, drinking soda waters they're just not good for you or not good for me anyway but when it's late at night i'm gonna get me a a, a cherry pepsi and and a coffee and roll on um but that that's usually what what my go-to is whenever i'm tired and trying to trying to get get on back home and for I, sure. i'm sorry i didn't mean to um throw one more at you but that, oh, go ahead i'm i'm here that made me think of this is it customary to ask you guys after you tracked it and find it to help haul it out? Um, you know, I really, I've never, I've always been one. If I've got the time, I'm going to help you get it out. Um, just cause that, that's what I enjoy doing it. Um, 
you know, I've tracked for some some older older gentlemen before. Um, and I'm like, hey man, just go back to the go get the side by side, pull it over here, and I'll drag this deer to here. Uh, can you get the side? You know, I'll help them out. Um, but I always tell them, I'm I'll help you drag it, but if I'm helping you drag it, it's getting gutted right here. I'm not dragging it full of guts. Um, but I mean, you know, it, it's kind of and a lot of some of them are like, hey man, don't worry about it, we'll get it out of here. You know, that we'll, we're gonna go back to camp, and get the guys, and, and get it out of here. Um, but I usually, if I've got time, you know, and I'm not pressed to get somewhere, I'm going to help you get it out of there because I've been in that situation where it's been just me, you know, trying to get that deer out. Um, my dad, on the other hand, he's had a quadruple bypass, open heart surgery. He's not going to help you get your deer out. Um, he just physically can't. Now, will he um, pick a trail for you through the trees and break some limbs? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's what I had. To, I went and tracked for a buddy of mine that's a firefighter here firefighter with me and and he had about a 500 yard drag well i can't drag right now my keely's still in the healing process i have not released to you know start dragging that weight like that i said i can't help you drag but i'll break limbs for you um and so i break limbs and i'd go ahead and find a good path to get out okay i was just curious what was the the sop on yeah i i really don't know across the state uh i mean I feel like if the tracker's able, they're probably going to help you, um, you know, and and I, f I feel like if, if I'm a hunter and I have a guy come in and track for me and he helps me haul this deer out, I feel like I'm going I'm to compensate him a little better, you know. Um, if he's got two or three other calls he's trying to get on, you you probably would hope that they respect you. It's like, look, I found it. Yep. I'm it, getting it, on the road. Um, yep. I appreciate you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, and, and that's, you know. And I've had to do that too. You know, I'm like, Hey man, I found your deer. He's here. Um, I, I've got to, my kids are at the in-laws and, and I need to go get them, pick them up and get them home. And, and most people are understanding. They understand, you know, I've actually, uh, tracked for a guy and he wasn't, he was at work and, uh, know him pretty well. He was like, Hey, this is where my last blood is. Can you go finish up? And I'll go track for him and then I'll send him a location back. Hey, this is where your deer's at. Um, when he gets off work, he'll go get him. Um, now if I got time, I'm going to load the deer up and take it to him. Just, I try to be a nice guy and help people out. So that's, that, that's kind of like getting that, um, door dashing for your deer. Right. Right. Which I mean, and that's part of it, you know, get a relationship with your tracker. Um, you know, a lot of things can come good out of that. Um, you know, if I got a relationship with you and you, and you get me, you know, early October, you get me a couple of tracks that are red carpet tracks. That deer went 30, 40 yards, just blood everywhere. I can tune my dog up on it, which I don't have to tune mine up anymore, but um, I've got that pup on training. When you need, when you shoot that big one and you need me to come, it's not going to cost you anything. You scratch my back, I scratch yours, um, uh, you know, a lot of times. <laughs> hey i'm telling you that that grilling addiction when i tried that i got it up at a championship barbecue yeah and uh i, I tried their little taster deal i tried it and which i've all i've been a fan of your stuff for a while using the the pork injection is actually what we started on we did my buddy's wedding i don't know we did 10 or 15 pork butts and used used your injection that's what got me hooked on it and you know some of your stuff doesn't hit my flavor profile right um, it's good. I just don't like it. But that grilling addiction, um, matter of fact, I order it in a two-pound bag every time I order. But I got my dad hooked on it. He puts it on everything. He puts it on his eggs, his popcorn, um, 
everything. That that is the best seasoning that I've found. That's what we're going to have to do. Also, Neil, is we'll have to do a, a, a podcast, and we'll just have to be me and you, and I can go over some of the different cooking methods on the deer. For I sure. I mean, yeah, I think that'd be good for the hunters and and yeah. and talk, talk some of the different that. things. Yeah, talk about some of the things we used to do on. It won't be grinding, but it'll just be what we can do to help get rid of some of that that flavors and stuff. For sure, be a fun one. Um, well, and I think uh, I think that's a lost tradition. A lot of the new hunters don't know how to do that. Yeah, um, you know, they go hunting, get that deer, and they're like, oh, "I shot this six year old buck. He's rutted up, stinking, and the meat tastes bad." Well, there's a reason it tastes bad. Yeah, um, take a take a little little learning curve for the hunters around. I think that'd be good. Yeah, I think so. Well, that's a good idea. I'm glad you brought that up, Chisholm. Yeah. Neil, can you think of anything else, man? Man, I'm all out of questions. I'm all out of big deer on camera. So I guess it's uh, football watching time. Hey, uh, be, hey, you better you better be in the stand because if you ain't, they're they fixing to be moving. Didn't yeah, be some new, yeah. one, new one showing up. That's well, what Chisholm. that's what we're, we're hoping so. Um, yeah. But, Really, really appreciate you coming on and and giving us the education. Tell yeah. tell everybody how they can get a hold of their local tracker one more time. Just uh, yeah. if they're if it's the the Facebook group is the uh, title of it is the the Oklahoma Blood Trackers Association. Um, there should be a link to the map. I think it's in the cover page. You click on the cover page and then take you to the map. And there's a couple different pins on there that mean different things, but you just go to your area, click on the pin, and it'll tell you. It usually tells you the person's phone number, their name, their dog, um, what their certification is, and then kind of what they charge. Um, but that's the best way to, to get on there and find it. And, and you know, get on there. You can get on the Facebook page and, and ask questions. If you have a question of, hey, you know, I'm in this area, um, or, you know, or what should I do in this scenario, or, you know, what broadhead do, do you recommend as a tracker? Um, that question comes up a lot, um, which is that's highly debatable. Um, at the end of the day, hit the 10 ring and you're, you're good. But um, go on from there. But, yeah, going on to the Oklahoma Blood Trackers Association, uh, getting on that map there is, is the best. I believe it's in the cover photo. It's been a while since I went and looked at it. Obviously, I don't need it, but um, – I try to try to go look at it every now and then, but I believe it's still in the cover photo and it, it's right there. And if, if, it's, if you can't find it, just write a comment on there saying, Hey, can I, can I get the link to the map and somebody will get it to you? Well, all right. I appreciate it. Neil, I appreciate you bringing this up. This is a great idea. Chisholm. Thanks a lot for uh, explaining a lot of little things. Um, yeah. I think that was big. I really do. I, I didn't hope know what to expect, but man, this was a lot of fun. I hope it helps helps some hunters out and and gets the gets the word out about uh, Oklahoma Blood Trackers Association and what we do and kind of what we stand for and biggest thing is help hunters out. Um, I hope it it really gets gets out there for that. I appreciate y'all having me on and y'all call me back anytime you want. Hey, that sounds good, man. We appreciate it. If you if y'all ever have anything coming on, like if you're gonna put up a booth or something mm -hmm. like at one of the big hunting shows, let us know and we'll give a shout out on a. On the deal, yes, saying, "Hey, our one of our past guest is there or something." Right, for sure. We'll be happy to talk about it. Yep, yep, for sure we will. All right, hey, that's all I've got, everybody. Neil, I'm thank you. I'm good, y'all. I appreciate you. Be good. Appreciate Go kill it. big deer. Hey, that's right. it. I'm headed Just to McAllister next week. 
Take care, guys. Oh, yeah. See y'all. Bye-bye. Bye. With a 15 or a 12, depending on what bow I'm shooting and how much front weight it has. A lot of the a lot of the bows are super top heavy, so you need a bigger stack back stabilizer to to counteract that. Yeah, uh, definitely, definitely gone about about a one to two ratio the last couple mm-hmm. of setups. But um, it, they're all they all have that sweet spot <laughs> that you kind of have to. I mean, it's a yeah. it's a bow to bow thing, and it's a how strong are you? How many arrows are you shooting? What's yeah. your shot process look like? Um, yeah. I got an indoor bow that balances perfect right now. I'm just not strong enough to shoot it. <laughs> and I'm yeah. not, you got to man I'm, up and, and yeah. take them, take pump them numbers up, bro. So I get that. Got to get that air account where it needs to be. But, uh, yeah. we're, we're in deer, what's deer killing season. We don't have no indoor to worry about. There's nothing. It's getting close. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Dave. Dave's ready for indoor. Uh, I'm. Oh I'm man, that's that's. I didn't realize. I didn't re- realize that things went outdoors. Oh man, you, are you the one sitting inside when it's eighty or ninety degrees outside, still shooting indoor? Are you that guy? Absolutely. Oh man, that's me. Never wants to come outside and play with the big kids. Just wants to stay in there and air condition all summer long. <laughs> hey. Yeah, I'm hey, old. I'll, Oh, come on. Hey, all of us, uh, all of us guys, man, is the moment it hits above 35 degree or above freezing, I should say above 32 or outside out there shaking our shaking or chill or freezing our butts off shooting rubber deer, like willing it to get warm. All that back in the nineties, <laughs> did all that back in the nineties and early two thousands. Um, I got that out of my system. I grew up. I've learned it's a lot easier early season i'll shoot 3d in february and march but i'll pull arrows till june <laughs> those just, targets man, are stiff at 40 degrees i uh i love shooting i love shooting 3d but man when it gets to july or august it's hard to get out there and sweat your butt off um i had a a real bad heat incident this year and got overheated and lost a lost my strength and stuff but i can remember i can remember shooting in or a 3d with art brown out of his house before he moved away from Tahlequah in January setting. And it was like 26 degrees and at noon, but it was like, everybody got out there and was doing it because the first pro-am was like the next week. <laughs> and so we all like, we got to get out here and do this. I know the wind's blowing 25 miles an hour and it's 26 degrees and it's January, but it's 3d season. We got to do it. And so that was miserable, but <laughs> You got to do what you got to do to get them reps. I don't know that it does you any good aiming at a 3D target when your pin is bebopping across from the 14 to the neck to the belly, um, up to the upper 12 and back and forth, and you end up just punching it somewhere in the middle and hoping for the best. <laughs> it can it can get you off of your shot sequence at the wrong time of year. It, it really can. If, if indoor yeah. season's going right into the crapper for you and you go outside and try to battle the elements and you're just not you're not there so my strategy this year is i'm just going to get good and stay good all year long is basically Mm -hmm. i think because i remember out there shivering trying to get this hinge to go off and i just i wasn't pulling through it but man it was aiming good it was aiming good no arrows were going you know yeah they just 
just couldn't just couldn't get them to go. Feel like I spent the entire month of February at full draw and shot four arrows. Just couldn't yeah. couldn't pull through. No, I uh, I know I hated on indoor earlier a little while ago, but I'm this year I am going to put a valiant effort. And I I say that I've shot the Kansas City Pro Am before up there and uh, the, at that indoor complex and held my own. I was I was the only pro to shoot a legitimate three hundred without dropping one of the nine, but they were scoring elevens, so I didn't shoot as high as some of the other guys. But I think I got like fourth or fifth at that tournament. But I've shot some indoor stuff with you know under pressure and i like it but it's hard for me it's a different mindset because it's hard for me to go i'm going to travel across the country where i could lose a tournament in the first arrow whereas with the 3d at a 3d shoot i could travel and i can miss the first two targets and still come back and maybe win the tournament if i can judge well enough and put my mind back together and that's kind of always See, that's why i like that's why I like the Lancaster style. Um, yes, with that elevens in there, it's it's not a you're not shooting to not miss, uh, right? Like in a Vegas style. So that's that's why yeah. I really like that style. Yeah, I really want to hit Lancaster. That's one of my bucket list shoots, and money hasn't always been uh, a given. So that's kind of why I've always I've had that mindset of uh, 3D instead over indoor because you know I've when I was younger, I was, if I was making money at a 3d tournament, it was definitely going back into the pot to pay for gas to go to the next one that year in open B I can remember going, Hey, we got to go to, we got to go to Fort Benning and we've got 480 bucks as the budget. And so we were eating beanie weenies and driving a, a car and camping out. And like, so going to a big indoor tournament and saying, well, I can lose on the first arrow was kind of always out of the question. I think that's why I took a path towards 3d over the indoor route instead but i like the lancaster format the shoot up format and that's a definitely a bucket list shoot that one redding and then of course vegas down the road but in that order lancaster redding then vegas i've never shot vegas either and that's strictly because when i got into shooting indoor more than anything else i was in the senior class and they don't have a senior amateur class yeah um and that just really frustrates me a lot. So yeah. I've, I've, I've officially protested it on my own behalf. <laughs> yeah. Well, there is a lot of classes, almost too many in a lot of these organizations. So I, uh, but I, I agree there's a place for everybody, but especially in the ASA, they need to condense some of them. Dave, what place did you come in in the rumble when you shot the senior pro division? Here we go. <laughs> Uh-oh. We were top Am 10. Off. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, there we, there's we a place there's a, there is a yeah. place for you, bud. <laughs> <laughs> I say there's so. they, they'll save you a spot over there with in between Tim and somebody else. Yeah, they'll, take, they'll they take your money. That's I, it I think, right there. <laughs> I think Gillingham put it pretty good when he was talking about Vegas, it says that you sh they give you 90 tens and you show up and you have to not give any of them back. And that's the game they're playing. He's like, it's just not, you know, I, I, to me, I like the variety of 3d. It's every shot's got its own strategy and it's yep. like, okay, what can I see? What can I aim at? How's the bow holding? Who's in the lower, who's in the upper, who's in the leg, you know, all that kind of, and sometimes you're shooting through trees. I know, not 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 my favorite part of it, but just the a little bit of variety in every in every target. It's like, okay, here's how, yeah, here's how we're gonna approach this. 
Yeah, on a different note, um, talking about 3D, that's and I and I, I I encourage you talking about people getting into it by means of coming to my shop and stuff. I encourage people to get out and shoot 3D and just shoot their bow in general at these tournaments because you can't mimic the pressure of shooting at a whitetail deer or any animal at all, but you can definitely put pressure on yourself in other ways, you know, by your peers watching you or, you know, putting significance on an arrow like, hey, I bet you can't hit that, you know, 14 ring on that 40-yard coyote down there, you know, and center punch it. I'll be five bucks for that. You can put pressure on your way in that in that sense, but I, I it's hard to convey to a bow hunter, and I get this a lot. They'll, well, I'm just a bow hunter. I don't, I don't need to shoot 3D. I don't need to practice. I just kill deer. Practice is practice. It gets you out there and shooting your bow. But I, I love the strategy part about that. Just like what you said, getting out, estimating the distance is one thing for me. I love it. But being able to go, okay, well, this target here, it's a coyote. It's it's a long shot. It's a javelina or whatever. I don't need to be risky. I need to just get my 10 or get a good shot and move on to the next one. The strategy part of the game is where I find uh, joy. And I enjoy that a part a lot of it a lot. Just as much as I do looking for a deer or looking for acorns or f- trying to figure out where I'm going to put my tree stand. Right by the corn barrel, 18 yards, broadside every time. Easy. <laughs> oh, I yeah. Ain't, I ain't too good to shoot a deer over corn. We're from Oklahoma. You be, If you ain't baiting, you'll be waiting. Yeah, that's kind of how it goes. <laughs> but, uh, I, I mean, I've got cameras right now where I've watched I've watched my target deer walk right by the corn the last three times. He's just – he's hitting care this time of year. They might no. – it's like, it's like McDonald's. It's like you drive by it every day. You might stop in and get you a McDouble whatever, but you don't have to eat there every single day. I mean, they just kind of just cruise on by and maybe give her a look look at, but, you know, not nothing they're going to sit there and munch on corn, especially when the acorns start hitting the ground and – being what is today november 20 25th or 4th or something like that it's mm-hmm. gonna be uh or september october i don't know where i'm i'm a, I'm a month ahead of, uh, out of schedule but they're gonna be chasing does here pretty soon i'm looking forward to it i'm looking forward to it I'm trying to let i'm trying to get dave to let me hunt his backyard <laughs> hey and that's got, another thing i ain't too good about shooting deer in urban areas i've been working you can ask people around me i've been working on some urban spots pretty hardcore for the last three or four months up until season. And, you know, I'll be like that seek one guy shooting a 180 inch deer. And then the guy leaning out the backside of his window. Did you get him? Yeah. Yeah. I got him <laughs> <laughs> off his back porch, grilling burgers. hundred percent. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They, they, they live among us. It's not a, we're, we're, we're kind of in their territory and they're kind of in ours, you know, chicken and egg who came first, but I foresee yeah, it's white. I foresee deer hunting as a whole becoming more like that in the years to come with, uh, as many people are getting into archery and I'm, I'm kind of, I, I feed on both sides of the fence there because on one hand I make money from the people that are getting into bow hunting, but I also help take away people's you know hunting opportunities because of overpopulation of hunters and i don't really know that's a thing but the inflow of newbies is making good spots less and less and less and people getting out in the woods so i feel like urban deer hunting and development is going to be the kind of the way of the future in maybe 15 years or so yeah it doesn't take it doesn't take a lot you've got mature bucks to live their whole life on 10 10 to 15 acres they just 
they go to feed, they go to bed and back, back and forth. But yeah, you got, I mean, I, I see kids coming out of your shop that are showing up to state 3d championships that they've never shot before. And mm-hmm. they're just excited. They're excited to be there. They're like, Oh, this is a, this is a bow shooting event. Oh yeah, absolutely. Here's my $20. Yeah. Sign this me is, up. That's how it should be. It should, they should just be excited to be part of it and archery as a whole. They're not working. They're not at school. They're not at college. They're out there doing something fun. Not saying school and college and working isn't fun. Sometimes my job's fun. Sometimes a lot of the time. And, uh, they're, that's how it should be. They just should be out there just enjoying the moment, not getting too caught up with their score and if they lost any arrows or whatnot. That's what I love about TAC. TAC was a, is a blessing to me as a bow shop owner just because everybody's getting ready for it like opening day. Like they're, oh, man, I need two dozen arrows. I'm going to shoot the Sitka and the Black Rifle and the BRCC course. And me and my buddies, they're out there decked out in camo in April. Look like they're heading to the deer woods. And, you, and then, you, and then there you are, Neil, with your dad gum, fluorescent colored target bow. I could see it from three miles away, <laughs> wearing a wearing a pair of thrift store sweatpants and a and pink a Jansport pink backpack from 1988. Absolutely, yeah. I, I try to you in the crowd of a thousand. I'm like, I know that guy with that big old target bow. <laughs> seven seven power lens clarifier, set a 20 25 inch front bar, 15 inch back bar. Brand new Hoyt Stratus, straight up the mountain. How and many it, comments did you get about that bow? For real though, on, on the day you were there, how many or how many days you shot? How many people comment on it? Like, what is that? I shot it two different days, and we made pretty good time. We didn't get stuck behind many people. So the first day, pretty much got rained out, and we shot it like three to six. Didn't have many people up there. I think that's yeah. when we ran into you and Jacob. Um, and the second day was super early and we got off, got off the mountain and got out of there. So yeah, there were some people that were like, why'd you bring a target bow up here? And I was like, well, it's target bow shooting season in my world. You yuppies. Everybody's in $2,000 worth of Sitka camo for a fun shoot. I'm like, yeah, okay. All right. Whatever, yeah. whatever sells the arrows, whatever. That, dem- that demographic of people there is there's in, in my perspective, there's two separate people are separate groups of archers there's the tax shooters and then the asa shooters or the other the competition shooters i should say we'll just we'll, we'll throw all the competition shooters into one group and all the tax shooters they don't crisscross very much but us target shooters will go to tack but the guys who shoot tack will seldom seldom come over to shoot an asa or an ibo or an nfaa event because they don't want their scores wrote down forever for everybody to see they want to be able to go out there and lose 15 arrows and have a good time and no one to say anything about it. <laughs> it goes, it goes back to the mentality of shooting the hinge. I don't mind missing, but I want to know why I missed. Yeah. And if I'm, if I'm shooting over one limb and I clear it and I hit four more limbs and I don't know where my arrow landed. Yeah. That's not an ethical shot that I'm practicing on an animal. That's not a hunting scenario. So we can get rid of that narrative real quick. I just want to know, can I, can I shoot a group? Can I pull that off? What's the bow doing at 88 yards? That's what I'm, I, I just want to see the arrow land. I, yeah. I don't care. I don't really care is, where. A lot of that is just knowing your, the arc of your arrow and knowing your setup. And in a sense, it, if you are going, if, for me, I have so many different bows set up. To be honest with you, Neil, I, I probably didn't shoot the same bow attack that I'm deer hunting with right now, nor will I next year because I probably 
have three or four different setups between April and, <laughs> and October 1st. But uh, if you know you're, if you're going to stick with the same setup and you know your arcs and stuff, it can help you in the woods. But most of those, most of those shots in a hunting scenario, I would be like, I need to get about 45 to 50 yards closer before I'm launching an arrow anyway. Yeah, that's the, it, there's a little bit of standoffish attitude there because the guys are like, what, you, you, you know, you're saying you wouldn't shoot an elk at 80 yards. I'm like, yeah, cause I shoot field and i know exactly what my groups look like at 80 I yards would, but i would still try to get closer if the opportunity yeah. arose yeah yeah just another opportunity for my buddies to not come shoot a tournament on saturday sunday yeah come on I was, I was curious to ask you that because the last year well not not this not this one but the year before their first year i showed up with a matthews verdicts with a or i'm sorry a red achieve target site on my bow and just mm-hmm. that red on my bow threw everybody for a loop. And they're like, what is that? And I was adjusting my sight, and I was going click, click, click. And, like, you know how those target sights, they'll, they got that chink sound when you're rolling from 20 to 50. Mm-hmm. Like, That's going to scare a deer. I'm like, yeah, same. maybe. That's not, yeah, for, this ain't, not, not for deer hunting. <laughs> this, I was going to say, this ain't, this ain't for deer. I'm not sliding. I'm not sliding anything when, I, when that deer walks in. It's dead quiet and dead still on my end. So I don't uh, if it's good for archery and it's good for the shops, I'm I'm all for it. But these guys need to come shoot a field round. It's it's the most technical challenge. I just I don't I just don't see how they compare. But whatever whatever sells admission tickets, you know I'm kind of jaded on it. But yeah, it's it's a it's a, archery as a whole. You got to grow it, and we all got to get along and and like you know accept every avenue of it if the guy wants to go out there and he only wants to shoot tack and he wants to spend all his hard-earned dollars traveling around to pay that much admission to not win anything back then more power to him or if a guy never wants to go anything but an ibo or whatever it's just it is what it is they're different strokes for different folks but i uh i like it as a whole I'll, i'll shoot any avenue of archery and just the same as hunting you know i am a bow hunter at heart but I will also rifle hunt, muzzleloader hunt, whatever, because I like hunting in general, and I'm not just jaded to one style, if that makes sense. But I mostly a bow for the most part. <laughs> I, 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 I'm I'm with you. I, I'll probably get dragged to the next one as long as it's not during turkey season. But if those dates if, if those dates are on top of each other, I'm a hundred percent going to save several hundred dollars on that weekend because I'll stay home. Is you got to be like me and make your turkey season last all of about 15 minutes on opening day. And then you can just go do whatever you want to do for the rest of April. I was going to say, you probably killed quite a few more turkeys than yours truly. Yeah, I've, uh, I've, I've been pretty good with turkey hunting the last few years. I've, my voice is all uh, jacked up right now from having a cold, but I take pride. And if you've been on the 3D range with me, you've probably heard my calls to the turkey gods and my gobbling because that's kind of my signature signature sound to let everybody know that i'm there and out there to get them but a hundred percent four or five hundred percent my bow with my natural voice and so that's been fun the one i killed this spring on opening day public land bird um wasn't a real big bird by any means but he was a tom for all all intensive purposes um and i shot him with my bow off the ground um, calling him in my natural voice on public land. So I was pretty, pretty stoked about that. That's, that's pretty crazy. That's a, uh, that's a pretty good accomplishment. Yeah. If you could pick between numbers being the way they are, <laughs> if you could pick between hunting turkeys and hunting deer, 
Which way are you going? Just in Oklahoma or all around? In general. Mm. <laughs> Pro- probably turkeys, just because it's more run and gun. And with a bow and arrow, there's just so much more thrill with it when you get a big gobbler to commit to coming in to four or five yards. And I know a lot of people like that that are just hardcore turkey hunters at heart. And honestly, I talk a big game. I have, I've killed quite a few turkeys, but not as many as I would like to. Um, the 3D season always kind of coincides with spring anyway, like you said. So if I wasn't traveling around shooting the ASA stuff, I would put together a trip to hit all the states and try to get, you know, my Merriam, Osceola, my, my Gould, maybe go down to Mexico and get a Gould's or something. That would be, that's a lifelong accomplishment for me to be able to kill a, kill the slam with a bow. That'd be pretty crazy. Yeah. Pretty crazy. Um, well, before we get out of here, tell everybody where where they can find your shop and what your what your normal hours of operation are heading into season. Well, um, we are open Tuesday through Friday, 10 to 6, and Saturday 9 to 4, close on Sundays and Mondays. Um, against my better judgment, we were supposed to be open six days a week this year, but I just couldn't handle that. I had such a workload, so we, we stuck with the Tuesday through Saturday. But we are in Wagner, um, south of uh, the intersection between 69 and 51. So 2111 South Dewey, Wagner, Oklahoma, 74467 is the exact address. Um, we, uh, we service all bows, recurves, crossbows, compounds, pretty much everything that uh, to do with archery. I get people calling me and they go, do you sell bows? And I go, no, slingshots and spears. Kind of, kind of got that from the, the Joe Dirt. No, snakes and spiders. Well, we just lost him right here at the end. Where'd he go? That's, that's a sh- yeah. I bet his phone died on him. Remember, he said he was on a backup phone. He's coming uh, in. Yeah, I'm back. Let's see. And we, I, and like I was saying, we work on everything. So if you got anything archery, anything in that avenue, bring it by and we'll see if we can't get you fixed up and tuned. How about your uh, – we're, we're Yeah, your social. I was going to say, oh, what's, uh, your, what's your social media handles? Tybo's Archery um, on Facebook, and then Tybo99 is my deal on uh, Instagram. I don't uh, do much on my Tybo's Archery Instagram just yet. I've been hacked three or four times, so I try to keep off of that. But Tybo's Archery on Facebook for the most part. I Hackers suck. I've – and I've, I've got shadow banned on Facebook three or four times, too. So I'm using my personal account for my business now, Ty Dameron, because um, some, somehow using keywords like shoot and, uh, oh, gosh, what is another one? Bows and arrows or something like that. They Facebook flagged me and said that that was inciting violence. I don't know. That's It's crazy. It That's happened to me. I saw our friends were at the Arizona Cup uh, during – tack the first year two years ago tack and they said hey we landed safely you're gonna practice rounds tomorrow i said good luck go shoot them up and that was an automatic three-day ban keyword on me. yeah, yeah. My, my last one was three months and oh it wasn't it wasn't that they turned off my facebook it was that you were gonna be on my business account that they were gonna uh shadow ban me or what was the word the terminology they used they were gonna limit my interaction with people so and I seen it right away. Like I, if I made a post, I was usually getting a hundred plus likes in a day or so. And it went down from that to like maybe 12. And oh, wow. It was terrible. So my, 
customers weren't seeing what I was posting. So I had to start integrating my personal Facebook to uh, promote my business, which is pretty dumb. Yeah. That's crazy. The way the, they, they all work and, and the AI thinks. Yep. Yeah. And to be, to be honest with you though, guys, most of my business and I am super grateful. And it's like I said, it's another blessing from God that people are willing enough to spread the word and say, Hey, you know, Ty does good work. You know, you go see him. 99% of my business is referrals, and I am super grateful. Thank you so much to everybody who's done that for me. And the next guy tells the next guy, and, and then so on and so forth. That's 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 how Tybo's Archery has grown so much in the short time that we've been in business. I think that's one of the best things about archery is that not only have I figured out how to solve my problem, but my buddy over here is going through it or so-and-so needs this done. And it's like, Hey, we can, we can manage that. We'll get you tuned up. Get Absolutely. your arrows flying straight. Absolutely. If you can't figure it out, there's somebody in a small community in this close circle that can figure it out or has probably a little better idea. So we can problem or figure it out together. It's getting so good. Right. Now you get guys that'll come up for solutions before you even tell them what the problem is. That's kind of me. Once I've had me a couple black rifle coffees, my cognitive response is pretty dang quick. Um, you're catching me at the end of the day, so I'm not as uh, you know enthusiastic as I usually am. But after a couple black rifles, man, I've got ideas. I, I, I can smell red. I, I, that's that's how you know good I get at stuff. <laughs> you ain't kidding, man. Yeah. Well, I say don't spend too much time in the shop the next couple of weeks. Hope you get out there and get in a tree stand and see some uh, see something worth flinging an arrow at, bud. Man, I uh, I don't want to make anybody mad and my customers, but I might just have to close up. Anybody looked at the weather? It's supposed to drop off to thirty two degrees for like three days in a row. Go from sixty to thirty, like the saw a dadgum state trooper. I want to be in the I want to be in the tree stand right then and there. So right as it right as that shifts to north wind. And then you're and you're shooting your indoor bow after that. As soon as you're done dragging them out, uh, man, I, what I'll probably end up doing is I'll probably shoot my indoor bows in the evenings after I get done hunting, and then uh, and just you know try to keep the reps in and keep shooting, just to keep the muscles warmed up and ready. That's all you can ask for, bud. Well, I appreciate you That's taking right. the time to sit down with us, man. Give us give us a little bit of insight into what you got going on. I I really do appreciate you. For sure, appreciate y'all.